Stand by for action. Welcome back to the Punk Till I Die podcast. I'm Tom Trauma, and somewhere out there is Liverpool Neil. Say hello, Neil. Hello, Tom. How are you doing tonight? Did you manage to make it through the uh, snowmageddon and then the freezing uh, fucking cold it keeps, temperatures? It keeps coming. It's like three more inches every night. It's 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 weighing God. on me like a like a lead blanket. Yeah, no shit. It's, like it's filled me with despair. So, and oh, Jesus Christ, and then the weather forecast just go so overboard. Like, uh, last week, over the weekend or whatever, we were supposed to get 8 to 12 inches, mm. starting Friday. I don't know about you, but I we got, in Evanston, we got barely an inch. <laughs> so, the we 8 got, to 12, the eight, you did? How much did you get? Well, we just, I mean, I bet you we got more than a foot over the weekend, and it just, keeps, it just keeps coming. I mean, the kids hadn't had a snow day all year, and now I think they've used, like, four of their five snow days. Yeah. Um, it, it's, you know, you know how I live, right? I got a little driveway, and mm-hmm. I got a, you know, I got, I got four cars. Yep. My driveway holds four cars, and my wife parks in the garage, so we all have to work around my wife so she can park in the garage and then we have to like stack the cars up based on who's leaving earliest well you could park on the street then, though right if you wanted to not 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 during these months oh interesting okay yeah so and then uh and then so we have them all stacked up and then and then Annie's school gets canceled and then everything's screwed up and i don't know it's 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 suburban dad problems dude i'm having some sub- suburban dad problems and it's bumming me out so i need to uh I had originally was hoping to have a little like February getaway, but I don't think it's going to happen. So, so how how was your town about um, plowing and that kind of shit? Plowing and salting. I mean, I mean, pretty good for a small small town. You know, it's not like we have a thousand DPW workers. You know, but yeah, they do yeah. all right. Yeah. Okay. And yep. and and it's like today was the first day where I came home, just like you know what, I'm not going to shovel anymore. It could be fine. We we'll get it this weekend. Yeah. And it's supposed to be mid thirties and like forty next week. So yeah, forty forty by Wednesday, so we'll you know. And, sh- and it's funny you watch melt. the news like the new fear is flooding. It's like piss off. <laughs> yeah, they gotta keep people scared about something, right? We, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so it, it it was annoying though, even though we didn't really get the snow that they said. I guess some of the western suburbs did. Some of the western suburbs got a foot, but just closer to the lake it turned to rain. So yeah. the little bit we did get immediately um, melted. But uh, did you get the deep freeze? Because we got it. it was like minus the high was like minus six on fucking uh, on Tuesday or something. Yeah, shit. I don't think it we got bad. quite that cold, but it was definitely like single digits. Yeah, yeah, we had three we had three days below zero. So then all that wet stuff on the ground just immediately froze, right? So yeah, that's uh, that's never. Any, it's been treacherous going to work, I gotta say. And I, of course, you know, there's no snow days for. No snow days for adults. And maybe, but, uh, like, you could work from home. Maybe you, if it's really nasty, you just stay home, huh? Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we can. We can We can work from home um, on days like that. In fact, everybody did on Friday because, again, they forecast the 8 to 12, and so nobody came into work at all. And then mm. it turned into a damp squib for, for us anyway. Um, my, my work has a pretty big campus, you know, so I go in in the morning, 
and I'll spend maybe the first two hours either blowing snow, shoveling snow, plowing snow, and then I'll try to get some work done, and then I'll come home and like spend like an hour when I get home shoveling or whatever. And I'm just I'm just sick of it, man. I guess not. Why you have kids? Get them outside shoveling. You got I that guess. young, healthy kid. My son, my son at home does help somewhat. That's good. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, yeah, these are first world problems, I guess. But it, I don't know. It does seem to get worse with age. Like it bothers me more. I think as an older, like well, when, I, when I was young, like the weather would get bad. I'm like I don't care. I'm still going to go to the show. I'm still going to go do whatever. You know, I just, I just right. drive drive through crappy weather. Now it's like uh, I'm just going to sit here and watch TV. Was it just is is it just because though? You know, we you know they'll start saying like three days ahead of time. You'll get eight to twelve inches. It's going to be terrible. The roads are going to be treacherous. Don't leave your house. <laughs> so after a while, I don't, know. It, I don't watch the news, Neil. I, I just, but I do think I don't know. I mean, as stupid as it is, it that does get you after a while. Well, like, everybody is like just my, waiting, you know. You got people like my grandparents. You know, they're they're basically prisoners in their home now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Yes. Welcome, welcome to that weather report. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, um, it just you know, and, and like I said, the, the only reason I really mention the weather is because it does, it does, it it does beat up on you a little bit. It does. I mean, you know, and the older you get, at least for me, the more I wish that I lived somewhere warm. Yeah. I really do. Well, you could still go to a show in shorts if you wanted to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what, though? There's still, like, I I know, like, New Orleans is having unprecedented cold. It's, like, 20 in Texas. Like, it's, the whole country is not great. I'm sure Miami, it's 80, but everywhere else, it's just terrible, you know? Yeah, well, I actually, talking about Florida, I actually was thinking because Doc Rotten, who were on our last episode and then everybody yep. everybody seemed to enjoy that episode. Yeah. Uh, but so anyway... The lady boys of Thailand. Yeah, well, they might have really enjoyed it. Maybe. Because uh, <laughs> um, I assume they got paid. Uh... It's good. Any publicity is good publicity. Yeah. So, but anyway, they're playing two shows in Florida next week, and I actually thought about going down to the one in Jacksonville at Kona Skate Park. I think that's next Friday. Yeah. Uh, but because I started looking at, you know, and then that stay in Gainesville with Mark and sure. meet him at the show. Um, but then when I started looking at airfare, I guess because it was so close, you know, within two weeks uh, of the yeah. show, it was like six hundred bucks to get down to fucking Jacksonville from Chicago. Yeah, I was like, "Fuck, man!" Yeah, I could almost get to England for that. For fuck's sake! I, I, I'm always. I, I tell you, my lunch. I just spend lunch hour just like looking at flights and cruises, and I mean, that's that's, that's my life now, right? Yeah. And uh, I, if you're flexible, man, you can like I could fly down to. We got those discount airlines. I could fly down to like Fort Lauderdale for like eighty bucks each way. But my schedule, I'm pretty flexible. My wife doesn't really have a flexible schedule, so. Yeah, I was, look, I was looking at Spirit, and uh, I guess Spirit doesn't fly to Jacksonville. They fly to like Fort Lauderdale and Orlando and shit, but they don't fly to uh, they don't fly yeah. to Jacksonville, which was a, which was a shame. I thought they did. I will swear that I took it down there one time, but anyway, whatever, doesn't matter. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Neil. Let's let's give some context. Context to what we're going to do today because this is Indeed. something. So we, we're we're ripping this off. So yep. we should give credit where credit is due. And I can't remember exactly where you heard this or where you saw it. Or this it. was this was on Sirius. As I was because I've got a new car and I was and I got three months of Sirius free. But I I've now subscribed to the cheapest level of Sirius, which is if you don't know uh, in another country, Sirius is satellite radio, right? Yeah, and um, they do have a punk channel 
and listening. Which is nice because they didn't have a, de- a dedicated punk channel when I was listening to it. They just had like certain hours, right? Where it was a punk channel, but now they do. Faction Punk is, I think, channel three fourteen or something like that, and it's yeah, okay. it's, it's twenty four hours. Um, not great all the time, but they do throw in the occasional banger. Uh, but anyway, they were having this thing with, I guess, certain guests where it was like called Six Strings of Punk. And um, so this guest would come on and talk about the six songs that got them into punk originally or whatever. And the one that I heard was, um, what the hell was his name? Jeff Rosenstock, right? Okay. And his choices were not great. But um, uh, but anyway, I thought it was a really good idea, even though I didn't like his I didn't like his choices. Um, did you even cons- did you consider his choices punk? No, they were. Uh, uh, it was all. Mo- I I don't know how young of a guy Jeff Rosenstock is, but a lot of his stuff seemed to be over the last thirty five, maybe fifty. Yeah, okay, that makes sense then, because a lot of his stuff seemed to be no older than like fifteen years. I'd say. A lot of people love him. He was a big punk news favorite. I never... He was one of those guys where he seemed like a nice guy. I just could never get into his music. Well, it was really... I mean, it was really annoying, because I think I said in the when I talked about this in the other in the other show, he kept talking about toxic masculinity and oh, having yeah. anxiety, and he could really relate. And he was just like, I don't fucking hear that. Mm. You know, that's not... That's not why I got into this kind of music, you know, anti-establishment and, you know, what, anyway, it was, I hated his choices and thought he was very dull talking about them, Mm. but, um, you know, I thought it's a good idea. So I thought we should do that idea for this show. Now, if you've been with us for a long time, i.e. from the beginning, then you've heard a lot of our beginning stories and, you know, we did our A to Z of bands that we've seen and A to Z of of shit like that. Um, And albums and and all that kind of thing but um you know a lot of new we've picked up a whole ton of new listeners obviously since then and you can't assume that people always go back so i think a lot of the stuff we'll talk about today is going to be new to a lot of our a lot of our listeners don't you think i don't know maybe I mean, I know we do have some of the old original listeners. We still do, but I think when I mean, we've just if the if the Facebook group is anything to go by, uh, then we'll we've picked up a shit ton of new listeners over the past over the past six months. You know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the I don't know if the no. Well, that's an interesting topic too. Is that are people on the in our Facebook group? Do they actually even listen to the podcast? <laughs> Uh, I think the originals definitely. Oh, the original. Yeah. Well, yeah, the originals do. But to some like, extent, now it has become just another uh, page that you can try to promote your stuff on. And which is fine, you know. When it's, I think it's an entertaining page. As long as it's not too obnoxious, yes, we will gladly let you. Yeah. Try to sell your stuff. And well, and don't punk, and, and don't pimp your own podcast. That's not something. Yes. We, that's yes. not something we allow. On that's one of the few things that we actually do delete on there. So so don't do that. But um, but anyway, we you know we've added. Just uh, probably about two hundred people on that over the past, you know, month or something. It's been crazy the amount of growth we've had. But anyway, that's the concept. I'm babbling. No, it's just I wanted to get the the six strings of punk. All right. So, do you? Was there any particular order to it, or was it like chronological? He or was. was he was a- extra when he did his. It was just extraordinarily uh, free form. 
In fact, I because yeah. then he then he then he started playing some of his own music in the middle, so it was tough to tell which was his six strings of punk and which was you know just him playing hit some of the bands he's been in, like, like bomb the music industry, right? And then there was some yeah. other some other crappy band that he was in. He started playing. So, um, but ours I think will be a bit more structured than that. Except we don't have oh, the you think? yeah <laughs> we don't have the nifty intro six strings of punk. Like that. No, they do now. Yeah, and the funny thing is, on some well, of the, I mean, that's uh, probably trademarked. So we're going to call ours the, <laughs> I don't know, six something, called punk. Yeah, we'll have to work. We'll have to work on that, I guess. <laughs> you think? Uh, but the funny, th- the funny thing is, I guess for their bumpers, I guess they haven't edited their bumpers in a while, or the shit is all pre-recorded because they still have someone from Anti Flag doing so, doing one of their bumpers, which mm. which kind of which kind of tickles me. But uh, canceled. Yeah. Anyway, um, so do you do you want to go do you want to go first, or is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into this? No, I can think I can go whenever. But it's it's funny because I was struggling a little bit until I sort of dove into it, and then and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, how do I narrow it down to six? But the other thing is, it's six sort of, you know, it's not like anything obscure. You know, it's all right. tends to be kind of bigger. Bigger bands that might sue us for playing their songs. <laughs> well, so. well, hopefully not, because none of these bands, like the Rolling Stones or something, that are still going. None of these yeah. bands are really still going. That I look at my list, uh, you know, maybe one. So do you want to like? Do you want to like? I tell a quick story and pick a song. And you tell a quick story and then we play both songs. Um, I think we should do. I'll do. I'll do. Uh, we'll just yeah, sure. Second forth. Yeah, we that's just, fine. Or, what you just want to second forth? Um, or should we just do them all at once? What do you think? Just play 30 minutes of songs right in the middle. No, uh-huh. let's... Okay. I think every song needs a little bit of explanation, right? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, well, why don't we start with uh, how we... You know, how? Pe- yeah, new listeners. They might not even know how old we are. So I... Well, that would be great. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm in my 60s. I've... I've, I've been into punk since the late 70s since the first wave and tom yep. you are 10 years About younger 10 years than me behind you, yeah. yeah so you were when you were 16 let me do the math what what you nah, were a little younger than that about 14 maybe so what what kind of stuff was popular then was popular punk wise right punk, punk, no punk wise who was uh, oh i well that's the thing you know I, I you know funny story like i don't know what drew me to like I lived in rural Wisconsin. I didn't have a lot of like punk stuff going on until I got into high school. I met some skaters and stuff. But before that, you know, I had a paper route and I had a record club and I was drawn towards trying to get some punk stuff. So like the original punk stuff I got was stuff I could get sent to my house through the record club. Oh, through uh, Columbia? Columbia and RCA at the time, which went on to be BMG. Okay, so what year? What year? What year are we talking? Mid eighties here? Uh, I'd say eighty seven ish. Eighty seven ish. Okay. All right. So well, about four, About a bit about fourteen. That makes complete sense because again, I'm ten years older than you, and mine was yeah, yeah ten years ten years before that. Um, so I had to sort of buy stuff blindly. Yeah. Well, what made I you? Mean, what made no you interested it at all? What made I like? Don't know. I, I can't remember. Because you, like, you were a metal kid, right? Yes, yes. Hair metal was my thing. But I'm like, I'm going to get this Sex Pistols tape. Why? Because you so, heard about it somewhere? I, I don't know. Huh. Okay. And and I got it, and I put it on, and it blew my mind. Interesting. And, so you got and, a, cassette, and, it was a cassette? 
cassette. So the first Sex Pistols song I ever heard was not God Save the Queen. It wasn't uh, Anarchy in the UK. It was Holidays in the Sun. And that was one of the first songs that really set its hooks into me. So why don't I play it? Should we give it a spin, Neil? Sounds like a good plan to me, yeah. Sex Pistols, Holidays in the Sun. Okay, said, that was I the first. Holidays, didn't you I? did yeah, holidays. holidays. No, holidays in the sun is right. The holidays or holidays? Yeah, okay. it's holidays in the sun. It was their. Let's see. It was their fourth single and the last single of the classic Sex Pistols lineup. Right. It was Anarchy, God Save the Queen, Pretty Vacant, and Holidays in the Sun. Those were the four classic singles. 
Hmm. Um, and after that, it then it just all became the bullshit after Johnny yeah. had left and stuff like that. So yeah, that was that last classic single. Um, I might have had a, a teacher. I might have had like a communications class or something as a freshman where the teacher played us some. He did, but I think I already knew it by that point. I remember playing Anarchy in the UK, and I already knew it. So anyway, I, I'm not exactly sure. Interesting. That's a, a cool, cool teacher to be playing but something my, like my that. First, my first three three punk albums, and I'm going to revisit this in a minute, but were the Sex Pistols on cassette, um, the Cla- the the story of the Clash, Volume One and Two. Interesting. Which was like a best of double double disc best of mm-hmm. double CD best of and Ramon's Mania. Wow! So they were two best. Of, so the and the pistols. Those were the first three like official punk albums I had. The pistols was that a was it a compilation or was it bollocks? No, no, was it, it was it was, it was bollocks. Was, never mind the bollocks. Okay, yeah. Which basically so, is a compilation. Basically, every good song they did, except missing a couple. But you know. Yeah. What yeah. about you? All right. Well. Um, cast your mind back to 1977. Um, Yes, yes, I was... Uh, so I was 14, not really... Inter- in- I was potty tra- <laughs> <laughs> Not really interested in music at all, except for the top 20 shit, you know. I'd been into glam and stuff like that a little bit. I love the sweet. I love mm-hmm. Slade, Mud, you know, some of those uh, some of those glam bands, but nothing to get <laughs> too excited about. And then my brother was six years old. Were you buying those singles, Neil? I did. I have, I had every okay. early sweet single that was... You still, you still have them? Uh, no, I do not. I do not know what happened to my my old glam uh, singles. When now, you were a young punk, you're like, ah. You probably, no, they probably just got thrown away by my mom and dad over the years. Gotcha. You know, as, as they were cleaning up after we left the house. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so I, I mean, I liked some of that stuff, but even then I knew it was kind of schlocky, you know. Um, my brother was six years older than me. And he got into, um, he was into music too. I mean, he was into Black Sabbath early on, and he was into Aerosmith. He went to see Aerosmith's first tour of the UK, actually. So he, he got a lot of, and then he got into Yes, and just a lot of stuff like that. The punk thing didn't touch him very much, even though he was the perfect age for it, which is a shame. But um, he had a friend that came over, or a friend of a friend that came over, you know, as you do when you, because if he was six years older than me I'd have been 14 he'd be 19, 20 so he's having friends come over and you know bring albums over and shit like that right so um, he had a friend came over that brought four punk albums over and lent them to him like over a weekend and Andy didn't really listen to them but I did and those albums were uh, it was uh, Clash first album Ramon's first album uh, there was a compilation just called New Wave, uh, which was on Vertigo. <laughs> and that was what attracted me the most, because it had a, bre- a bright red cover, and it's got a... You might have seen you might have seen this album cover. It's got, like, a, a, a punk dude is carrying a can of, like, Colt 45 and spitting it out at the camera. <laughs> and I don't so, know that at all. I don't okay. think I, I, Yeah, I think it was a UK-only kind of thing. But goddamn, what a fucking compilation album it is. I think it came out mid-77. Because it's got the Ramones, it's got the Dead Boys, it's got Patti Smith, it's got New York Dolls, it's got the Runaways, it's got Richard Helen the Voidoids, Boontown Rats, The Damned, uh, yeah. Uh, and then a couple of uh, doubles for some of those bands too. So it's got like a, a classic, you know, 
just mm. absolutely classic songs, right? Starts off with the Ramones, Judy's a Punk was the first track, and then goes into Sonic Reducer by the Dead Boys as a second track. So that was the one I listened to probably the most, and I was just completely fucking blown away by it. I'd never heard anything like it, and I immediately, for some reason, I gravitated towards the um, just the layout of the cover and this punk spitting beer at the camera, and I don't know, I just loved everything about it. So it was that album, that first Clash album, the first Ramones album, and I think the first Stranglers album. I think those were the those were the four albums he he he, he lands. So I taped them all immediately because you know I he had a little cassette player. Sure. And I taped them all, and I would listen to them incessantly because it seemed like some new thing that nobody else was into. Like none mm. of my friends were into it of my same age, and even my brother wasn't into it. So I was like, wow, this could be my thing because the songs are simple and short. And catchy, right? And I just spoke fucking, I just fucking loved it. So um, I'm gonna play the song that spoke to me the most off that compilation album was a Dead Boys Sonic Reducer, and the intro to it still gets me even to this day. It gives me that that uh, that that makes your hair stand up on your arm. It's funny, you know, we got a message from our friend and listener this week, and he said uh, he can't listen to Dead Boys without thinking of the early days of this podcast. So Right, because we used to use that, that guitar yeah. intro was our intro. So, um, <laughs> Great, though. Great song. Yeah, until Cheetah started following us, and we thought we might get sued. So, yeah, um, yeah so this is the Dead Boys, obviously, with Sonic Reducer. Classic. <laughs> Yeah. 
Dead Boys there with Sonic Reducer off of... Uh, it was a single, and it was also off their first album, obviously. Um, Young, Loud, and Snotty. So, um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, I'm going to be revisiting... Uh, am I actually... I kind of... I'm going to be revisiting another song or two, maybe, off that off that compilation album, because it was so fucking good. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, so that was, that was me in the summer and, and fall of 1977, looking like a complete idiot with a bowl cut, probably, but walking around with a little cassette recorder pressed to my ear. Listening hmm. to this stuff incessantly, yeah. So, so tell me, you recorded, you just like recorded off the speaker, right? It wasn't like you recorded to the. I or recorded, did you plug it in? Nope, I, w- I was not that technically adept. It was one of those little piano key, you know, personal cassette player kind of things. Oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And, yeah, like um, you at school or whatever. Yep, and you plugged a mi- you plugged a microphone into it. Oh, it and, did have a microphone. Okay, yep. it wasn't like you just recorded off the like like recorded it live out of the speakers. No, I no, I did. I had, yeah, I I would be playing the album and I hold the microphone up to the speakers. Yeah, and that's oh, that I, is how you did. That's how I recorded wow. it. Yeah, so I'm sure the fidelity was great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, no uh, it didn't. It didn't really matter. You know, that was uh, and I didn't have headphones. There was no like personal headphones walking around in those days. So I was just listening to to the little tinny speaker. You know, of the yeah. Uh, it, it's funny. You know, when I started, getting, there was certainly punk bands around when I was. It, I mean, I wouldn't say 1987 was a great era for punk by any stretch of the imagination but there was definitely new punk bands around a lot of people my age got into like the fat rack bands you know screeching weasel stuff like that and i did work my way over to them before long but i didn't uh i didn't know the contemporary stuff now what what year did uh, screeching weasel start i think i think they started around 87 88 that okay. era all right yeah Boogit, I think, was 88, which is their second album, which is kind of a classic. Their first album is kind of crap. Well, that makes sense, because it's not like you were going to record stores. You were you were, you were, you were, you were shopping through Columbia and through... Well, and I, catalog I, and, and I did work my way up to record stores, you yeah. know, obviously, before too long. It's funny, looking back now, how everything happened within... So much happened within, like, a five-year window. Oh, for sure, yeah. And, and, you know, it seemed like forever at the time. Well, you were growing uh, up. I mean, you were 14 yeah. years old. You still, you know... Just a that's, little kid, basically. That's why my my second song is Ramones. Um, I want to be sedated, and I've told this story before. But I was listening to the rock stations in Milwaukee, growing up in the Milwaukee uh, burbs. Uh, not even more like a bedroom community than suburbs. And uh, you know, so yeah, I was I was I love docking and you know crap like that, White Snake stuff like that. But but. Uh, after midnight, the DJs back in those days could kind of play what they want. So I think it was on Laser 103, which is a long-gone station out of Milwaukee. Laser the DJ, 103. The DJ played I Want to Be Sedated by the Ramones, and I'd never heard of it before. Huh. And it was it was like being struck by lightning. It was like, this is like the music I like, but without the stupid parts. Yeah. And it, <laughs> yeah, was, just, sure. it was just amazing. And, and I had never heard the first record or anything. I didn't have any context for it, obviously. But I still, still one of those songs that, you know, it's from their fourth album. But it's still one of those songs that, man, it, uh, so like 79, maybe? 78, 79? Yeah, I don't know when they wrote it, but yeah, it could be 78, 79, yeah. But anyway, the song still sort of, uh, gives me a jolt when I hear it. So, uh, thank you, Mr. DJ. He's probably dead by now, probably died of cancer. They all chain smoked back in those days. But, uh, yeah, I Want to Be Sedated was uh, another one that really uh, helped 
set the hook in me. So, so, so is that why you bought that Ramones? Um, Mania? Probably that was probably what was available. Yeah, and and you said you got the Sex Pistols one on cassette. Were you buying all? Were you getting all cassettes in those days? You didn't have switched a turntable. It, it was right in that era where I switched over. Okay, it's funny. My first things I ever bought were records, but they were far from punk records. I had Huey Lewis and Madonna, Phil Collins, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Pop pop records, you know. And my dad had a real nice stereo setup. Like he, my dad was a stereo guy, kind of. Hmm. Had these big old Jensen speakers, had the Bose, the Bose nine hundred ones that hung up in the corners, you know, mm-hmm. just take the windows out of the house. Um, even had like speakers in his bedroom that played from the stair. I mean, just he was wow, yeah. yeah. But um, so I was using his turntable, but eventually it was just inconvenient, and yeah. I couldn't get a turntable in my room. So, I, but I get like a little, I got like a little dual cassette boombox, Iowa or whatever it was. Yeah, Iowa, yeah. AI and then I could, I could dub cassettes. Oh, high yeah, tech. Yeah. It never was quite right. I think it was like a factory refurb or something. <laughs> <laughs> but it just was. So I went to tapes for the convenience. No other reason. And then around that 87 time is around the time where dad bought his first CD player, which was super high tech at the time, four times over sampling. He held out until he get four times over sampling, which now is like even the cheap ones are like 16 times, you know. But, uh, so yeah, I, I started buying, there, there was a window in there with cassettes were replaced by CDs. And I never looked back, really. I still have over, I still have like 3,000 CDs in my house, so. Yeah, yeah, you do have a wall of CDs. Um, so when you got that Ramones Mania, was that, that was vinyl or that was cassette too? No, that was CD. That was, oh, oh that was CD. Oh, shit. 30 okay. tracks, man. Right. It would have been, been a double album. It's so funny, you know, I listened to that Ramones Mania album so many times that when I listen to the proper albums, after certain songs, I expect a different song right. to start. Yeah, I get that. Because completely. I listen to that so many times. Now yeah. I've almost washed it away because I've listened to the original four albums so many times. And Still, was, they I, were real heavy on those yeah. first four albums, obviously. I think it was through it didn't go as far as uh brain drain. I think it went all the way up to brain drain. But yeah, I had like thirty songs on it. It was yeah. amazing. I mean that was a, that was a decent compilation, but I, I had all those original albums obviously yeah. by that time. But that was well, I went, I went back and got them all when they did the like early two thousand CD remaster reissues yep. with all the extra tracks. Really, yeah, yeah, they're really well done actually. Yeah, and then of course I got them all vinyl too, except for the last three, which mm-hmm. are still oh, hard to get. Yeah, in I was the US. speaking to Ricky about that on Instagram the other day because he said he wants to get them all. You know, he just got Pleasant Dreams, the an original press, yeah. and I'm like, well, good luck finding those last three. It took me forever to find those last three. Yeah, you got to get Russian bootlegs, and they were expensive too. Getting the getting the OGs are expensive. Yeah, that was definitely CD presses. era. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, all right, let's, let's play it. This is from uh, Road to Ruin, of course. Uh, Ramones, I want to be sedated. <laughs> Yeah. 
really don't even need to uh, introduce what these tracks are, right? Because everybody, everybody listening to the show should know pretty much what these are. I'm trying are, to think if I'm doing anything. I'm not really doing anything obscure. Maybe the... Uh, we'll yeah, see. We'll maybe, we'll the, see. Uh, maybe the DRI track, maybe. Oh, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, going back to me, yeah, um, like I said, uh, Clash album, first Clash album, first Ramones album, and I was going to play a Ramones track, but I knew you were too, because I, I could have easily picked uh, Blitzkrieg Bop, obviously, yeah. or Judy as sure. a Punk, I would have picked one of those sure. two off the first album. Or any of the songs off the first album. Yeah, yeah, ba- basically, yeah, 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 yeah. But I decided to go, I, d- I didn't want to duplicate some of our tracks, so I instead went, now, um, to a band that gets a ton of, of bad press these days, and people don't even think of them as a punk band, but in 77, 78, indeed they were, and that would be the Boomtown Rats. Oh, ah, um, interesting. What do you know about the Boomtown Rats, much if apart I read from- a really succinct review of one of their albums today where it was like, punk mixed with Bruce Springsteen R&B. Oh, that, and that makes a lot of sense, actually, because their first couple of albums were very much like that. And, and, the other, yeah. and they also said that after the first album, they really didn't care about it. <laughs> They kind of lost them, so... Yeah, I think the first two albums are the only two that, that are worth buying by the Boomtown Rats, uh, if you're going to get mm. them. Um, and they actually did go on to pop fame in England, because they had, like, a couple of number one number one hits in, like, 79, 80. Um, the biggest one being uh, Don't Like Mondays, obviously. That See, was, that, that was a hit here, too, on MTV, and I always thought yeah. that was such a miserable song. It is a miserable... Oh, it's a miserable... A mis- it's about a miserable topic. But, I mean, I just, topic, I, just don't right? think it's a, I just don't think it's a good song. Oh, so you don't? I think it's a, I think it's a great song, actually. And yeah, the other, you like Morrissey. They had, <laughs> they had, they had another, another number one in England called Rat Trap, which sounds like a Bruce Springsteen song. But uh, oh, but anyway, when they came up first, I came out in like 76, 77, they were ripping right out of the gates. Um, mm. they, you know, they'd wear safety pins. The, the keyboard player came out in pajamas. It just seemed like a completely, you know, they were blasted from Bob out of Gildo space. Bob wasn't stealing anyone's wife. <laughs> Well, maybe he was. Who knows? Because <laughs> the name of the song is looking after number one. Um, ah, there you go. That's the name of their first single. I have it on 12-inch when it came out. Um, it a 12-inch <laughs> single, huh? Yeah, it came out on 12-inch. And the funny thing about it is, on the back of the sleeve, because it's a 12-inch, it's got like a... <laughs> you were supposed to cut out like an armband. 
so you were supposed to cut it out. And, oh, yeah. uh, but it's made of cardboard. What good is a cardboard fucking... <laughs> you know? So did you cut yours out, or did you leave it? I did not. I, I left it. Um, See, it's probably worth but, much more that way. Yeah. But the funny thing is, why couldn't they have done some cheap-ass armband and put it inside the 12-inch single or something? Like, rather than, like that like that freaking, like the one in Nazi punks fuck off. It's yeah, like the cheapest go. piece of plastic crap I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um... But anyway, so if if you already know the Boomtown Rats to make fun of Bob Geldof, well, you might you might be surprised at how good this song is because it was their first single and it's a, it's a really good it's a really good song. So oh. yeah, this is uh, off again off that new wave compilation. But it was uh, like I say, it was a it was a sing uh, the first single. This is the Boomtown Rats with looking after number one. me a living. I've been living on this dole queue too long. Exactly, Bob. Mm. Exactly. 
So uh, yeah, Boontown Rats there. So why don't you? What do you explain to our people? Uh, younger listeners might not know. We keep talking about the Columbia Record House or whatever it was. Why don't you explain to them what exactly that was? Because uh, you know, younger generation wouldn't have any idea what that was. Well, it's funny, you know, because you get the newspaper or a magazine or something, and there'd be a page where you have this like page with these all these albums on it and these little boxes, and you would check the little box and send it back. And they would give you, Columbia, I think, would give you about 12 for free. And then they would make you buy six at fairly outrageous prices for the time. Like, you, you get 12 free CDs, but then you have to buy six at, like, $15 or something. So it was like a club, right? So you had to buy six in a year, but they gave you, well, like, the first 12 certain, free or some certain, shit? And maybe it wasn't six. I don't remember what it was. Because that was the thing with RCA when they came out. Theirs was like, they give you six for free, and then you only had to buy one. Oh, boy. But the thing they would do, Neil, and did you, did you ever do that or no? I didn't. Some people in our shit in the shitty guy house I lived in in the States did, and they made up all these all these people that didn't really exist. Oh, yeah, yeah. At different apartment slight, numbers. You just do slight variations on your name yep. and that kind of thing, yeah. Yep. I, I must admit I did that myself. Um, <laughs> but uh, they, the, the punk, I mean, it was very, very limited punk selection. But yep. when, like, when I was in my hair metal phase especially, there was lots of it. Um but what they would do is every, all through the mail, obviously, they would send you a card every month. And then it was, the onus was on you to send the card back. And if you didn't want to get, or they would send you the next CD or whatever. Yeah. So, so it was like, it was like these, the, I would say the modern equivalent of it is, we'll give you three months of stars for free. But then as soon as it runs out, we're going to start billing the hell out of your credit card for it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and of course, you think, how hard is it to return one of these cards? Well, let me tell you something. When you're an idiot 14 year old kid, it's pretty freaking hard. So, <laughs> yeah, I might have some like aha albums or something in my collection. So, they would just, so, so if you didn't check the box, they would just send you something randomly? Well, you'd have, they would, it was carefully curated for you, Neil. Oh, I see. So you could yes. choose, but I mean, it was like, there was maybe like, R&B and hard rock and uh, I don't know what else. But I loved it. You know, I was so into music in general, even before punk. I was always just huge into music. So they'd send these catalogs out, and I would just pour through the catalog. I'd have a pen. I'd circle the ones I wanted, and, you know, I'd have a strategy and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and I still sort of sort of do. Like, I, I, I try to keep a list of my phone stuff when I go record shopping, but ultimately it's like the heart wants what the heart wants. When you find something, you're just like, eh, this is not my list, but I'm going to buy it. But, like, uh, there's... I think that's what's good about discogs when you kind of you can you kind of use it more methodically. Yeah, you make a want list. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, that was I, so I got a huge amount of cassettes and CDs like that. Um, but no, they were no eight tracks for you. No, no eight tracks. <laughs> well, like I said, my originals were L LPs. Mm-hmm. Um, I still remember my first six LPs, Neil. Which were? If I think about it, so these were the, my six free ones I got from RCA Record Club. It was Phil Collins, No Jacket Required, Genesis, Invisible Touch, mm. Huey Lewis and the News Sports, Huey Lewis and the News 4, Madonna True Blue, and Robert Palmer Riptide. Wow. Okay. You that were... is, I mean, can't get much more 1985 than that, can you? Yeah, you're a kid of MTV, man. Jesus. Mm. Yeah. 
That was my first six records. Yeah. I have since replaced none of... No, that's not true. I have uh, the Huey Lewis record still. Not the original. I bought it for five bucks at a garage sale or something. So what happened to all of those then? I think they eventually migrated to my sister, and I don't know what happened after that. Yeah. I've had a few different collections coming over the years. The one I missed, I had a great copy of... Uh, Butthole Surfer's Locust Abortion Technician that I think got lost. People move, you know, like I said, I gave my sister ended up with my records, and who knows how many times she's moved. And so, yeah. anyway, that's yeah. alright. I could buy a brand new shiny copy of it for $25. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Alright, so fast forwarding for me, um, so I'm a, I'm a dumb little kid in 77, because that, that, that... Are you going to usurp me? Are you going to go next? I haven't done a third one yet. Didn't we just? Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. My no, bad. I was, yeah, I was yeah. Rambling. I, I got I was off. I, no, I got off on Columbia. I asked you about Columbia first. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I don't you. care. I guess it doesn't matter. No, you can certainly go next. No, nah, it's all you. Um, You're first. Well, because uh, my initial reaction was I had to play something by the Clash. They said I had that story of the Clash that I love so much. But like the Clash were still on the radio when I was a kid. Like listening yeah. to the radio. Um, like Rock the Casbah. Oh, should yeah. I stay or should I go? Like That's later in her class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I heard that stuff originally through the the radio, but when I got that compilation, I would say like, um, my mic is like open to the world, dear. <laughs> I'm not using a mic. The whole yes. world, the whole world can hear you humming along. Hello, should I, everybody. Should I stay or should I go? Yeah. Um, but uh, luckily they can't see you. Now. <laughs> but. Um, when I got the compilation, it was White Riot and the harder stuff, you know, Tommy Gun, stuff oh, like that. Yeah, yeah, brilliant, yeah. That's why I was going to originally had to- uh, White Riot on my list, but I kind of came to that a little later. Yeah. So instead, around this time, when I, after I started doing the first wave stuff, what I started getting into was bands that had really cool-looking uh, stuff, especially like skateboard art, stuff like that. So I think that's probably how I originally heard the Misfits. So at this, uh, by this point, obviously you were actually you found record stores and you were going to record stores and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely had, had a pretty good collection of tapes going from record stores, skate shops, back of uh, Thrasher magazines, stuff like that. So would you? Did you started to? Did you consider yourself a punk at this point? Had you cut your hair and you were like wearing t-shirts and stuff or not? Uh, yeah, I would say sort of. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of a transitioning transition stage. I think I still have long hair, but I. But you got to remember too. I had always, I had always worn the t-shirts and stuff like that, just for the other bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't a hard transition, but I guess I started uh, hanging out with some skater dudes and BMX dudes. Hmm. And I skated a bit. I was definitely more on the BMX side of things. I had a pretty sweet Haro. Uh, I got all tricked out to my specifications, but. Uh, <laughs> And I just, but, but, so I don't know if it was like the imagery that like draw, drew me to the Misfits originally. Sure. Or, or what it was, but I remember this song, and I know this wasn't, this wasn't like one of their first songs. This is from Walk Among Us, of course, but this song, first song on Walk Among Us, man, I remember hearing this and really, it really spoke to me. It's, even though it's a silly, silly song, I'll still scream it at the top of my lungs if I'm in my car by myself. <laughs> That's a great song. It is. So this is Misfit. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This isn't the first one. 20 Eyes is the first song. Yeah, 20 Eyes is the first one. Yeah. But anyway, this is uh, Misfit Skulls from Walk Among Us. (laughs) 
That is a great song, and you know, and admittedly, you you could have done Twenty Eyes too, because that's a great first song on the, on that album. I just Jesus. remember Skulls being more like you know, once again, setting the hooks, the six strings that set the hooks. If yeah, you, you don't go for that. Yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. Yeah, more so than the Clash, even though I I, I did have a more of an appreciation for the Clash when I was like first getting into it. So my problem with the my problem with the Clash is nowadays I don't really listen to the Clash. I, I don't really my problem with the Clash is not the Clash. It's people who like the Clash. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I, I know a lot of people who like the Clash and don't really want anything to do with punk rock. Yeah, it's like a hipster. They, they the hipsters grabbed them. It's not their fault. Yeah, well, it kind of is because they're later albums. But yeah, anyway. no, I know I, I, I get that. So when you the um was skulls that was off Walk Among Us. Did you have Walk yeah. Among Us or was it off some kind of one of those compilations? No, I mean, got? I got the tape probably yeah. around that era, late 80s. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And now I got, you know, it's one of those albums where I've had the cassette, I've had the CD, and I've got the vinyl. Yeah, I've told you my story about that, right? Because I didn't know who the Misfits were. So I was I was an exchange student, for those that yep. don't know, in the States in 83 to 84. And we went to Record Swap all the time down in Champaign-Urbana. And we were looking at stuff. Me and Tommy the Commie were in there looking at stuff. And um, we were looking in the discount bin. And I saw this Misfits album. I mean, I'd heard of them. I hadn't heard them. This is yep. 83, probably. and um, But I was drawn to the album cover. Just because it, it was like a dollar ninety nine, probably it was it was it was cheap in the cutout mm. bin or the, or the or discount bin, and it's funny now, now that, that copy you got now is probably worth a hundred bucks. Yeah, more than that because it was like the second second press on Ruby or whatever. Mm. Um, but anyway, I was just drawn to that. So it was like a dollar ninety nine or whatever. You can't go wrong with that. And funnily enough, in the same bin was the first Screwdriver album. 
<laughs> all screwed That's up. That's right. You bought Misfits, and he brought yeah. he bought screwdriver. He bought, it, it, it's, it's just funny that Tommy the Commie owns a, owns a screwdriver album. <laughs> well, to put it, to put a little more history into this, last time Neil was in town with me here in Grand Rapids area was spring, March. Yep. We were supposed to go see the Meteors, and we met up with Tommy the Commie for a few drinks. Yep. And he still got that record, and I think he's sort of he's uh, he's Irish. He is Irish, yeah. Yeah, his mom and dad and came from Ireland, yeah. He's Irish, and he seems like he he is, you know, pretty tight with the vest with the dollar. <laughs> so I think he's struggling with the fact that he could get good money for it, but he doesn't want to put it back out in the world. That was the impression I got. Well, it's funny. I mean, it's all screwed up, so there's, there's none of the Nazi yeah. stuff on, on that album, but still. Yeah. And I would love to own that album. I mean, I wish I wish I had bought that that day instead of You probably should have got a little more aggressive. You probably offered him 50 bucks. I bet you would have taken it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Maybe I mean, fifty euros. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. I bet you. I bet you. I bet you. Well, you know, it was a war kind of next time you're in town. Yeah. Because um, that was it. Was weird. It was on Chiswick Records, and I remember it was. It, Tell it, him it, you'll buy him. You'll buy his drinks all night for that record. The first press, it I think it plays at forty five, which is really unusual for an album back then, because obviously <laughs> albums are thirty three. Boy, but now then, it seems like every other record I buy is on forty five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, that's how I. That's how I uh, listen to the. Anyway, it's, what screwdriver song are you gonna play? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, if I had that album, I I could have played. Uh, I could have played something off Antisocial or something. Um, but anyway, yeah. Getting back to me. So yeah, I was just a little dumbass kid in '77 because that transition between 14, 15, and sixteen, you're basically yeah. going from a dumbass kid with like you know who still likes kiddie things to yeah. um, you know thinking you're a young adult. And, and your brain goes through changes where you start to feel like you are it's like that's it's like a, a certain amount of awakening that goes on there yep. around that age so around you know early 78 you know I, I i got my stupid bowl cut uh cut and i got a i got my hair cut short i started it was difficult to find straight leg pants so but i i went and got a pair of straight leg jeans for the first time so i started dressing apostrophe quote marks i started dressing punk you know i had short hair and straight and straight leg pants and that was pretty much all it took back then you know and you'd wear that with like a t-shirt or something and fucking hell you know you were you were radical at least in in, you know in my where i was so then i started going to record stores and stuff and trying to buy stuff myself so first album i ever bought myself was um i think it was new year's eve 1977 i bought the first clash album I went into uh, a record store in Liverpool, um, and the guy didn't want to sell it to me. Funnily enough, he asked me he asked me if I knew what it was, and I said, "Yeah, I knew what it was." And he sold it to me, and that was the first album I bought. So, um, you didn't play a song by the Clash. I am the first song on the first Clash album blows me away, and it has to be the UK version of the first Clash album. The U- the USA version, the US version of the first Clash album is just a shitty compilation. It it bears really no relation apart from the cover art to the to the UK version of the first Clash album. It's full of great songs. It's full of great songs, but it, they they took out like four or five of the best songs off that album and put like singles. And B sides yeah. that came out two years later, so you know it didn't it didn't make a lot of sense to a, to, to someone like me. Anyway, um, so I'm going to play the first track of the first Clash albums, Janie Jones, written about a, a a woman that ran a brothel, and uh, so yeah, from the first album I ever bought, which I still own, um, Janie Jones by the Clash. 
Now, in that stupid movie, High Fidelity, don't don't weren't they listing like the best first track? Best first tracks of the first album, and I think the Clash Jetty Jones gets mentioned in that movie. Did you did you like that movie, High Fidelity? I did, but I only saw it once, and it was when it came out, so I haven't I haven't watched it since. Yeah. So I mean, I can't stand uh, I can't stand it because I hate Jack Black. I just think he's a useless fat prick. But um, <laughs> it was it was a funny enough. It was a funny enough. Uh, movie, I, uh, I guess. I've been on a real schlocky movie kick lately, and I don't know if it was kind of inspired by the all that toxic avenger talk and talking, ah. to, talking to jay crimson all that yeah, yeah yesterday i watched the class of 1984 oh okay yeah that had uh, a bunch of like fake punk rockers in it right yeah and it's it, to me i'm watching this and nobody else in the house wants to watch it all they're sort of like groaning when they want see me watching it but i'm like it's fascinating to me the way that mainstream culture portrayed punks back in those days yeah they've all got like because, they got paint on their faces and shit <laughs> well the big like the big hefty guy who was like the had a homemade clash shirt but the rest of them it was more yeah it was definitely more Susie sue than it was you know johnny ramone yeah. but they were all but they were also all criminals they were they were just getting away with murder you know selling drugs and gang raping the guy's wife and whatever it was <laughs> But when they went to the punk club and they were kind of moshing around, even though I got to say the main like guy, the main bad guy was way too good looking to be a punk. Hmm. What, but are, you anyway, what are you saying? <laughs> no, I, well, I just you know, once in a while you'll see, you know, most most punks were kind of awkward looking. That was I think part of the yeah, you know, it, it, not that every punk would have chosen to be in a different social class that they could have, but I think a lot of it was sort of thrust on them. So, but anyway, 
they go into this punk club, and who should be playing, Neil? The great Canadian band Teenage Head. Oh, is that right? Wow. So they actually did do some research. Okay. Well, it's funny because I don't know where this took place. It was in Canada. But yeah, Teenage Head was playing. And I only know one song by Teenage Head, and it's Ain't Got No Sense. Hmm. And it was pretty cool. So I would have heard that you know, many, many years ago, but I didn't really put two and two together. See, that sounds, so anyway. that, that sounds like the punk rock version uh, episode of Quincy. Or whatever it was, but they. Yeah, had, they I, would say, I don't think it was quite that hokey. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> they had a they had a made up band called Mayhem, didn't they? Or was that Chips? So yeah. They had the band called Mayhem, and they were well, into it's bad funny. things too. The next band I'm going to play, I'm going to say something about them that seems very non complimentary. But you know, when you think of like a punk band, what a punk band should look like, or if like the, what your parents imagine a punk rock band should look like, yep. to me, it's always the exploited. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the early days, and, yeah, and, for sure. And once again, when I was starting to get into this stuff, I didn't really have access. You know, there was no internet. There was no way to hear this stuff. Yep. So literally, I think the first thing I ever heard by The Exploited would have been their third or fourth album. I guess their fourth album. It was Horror Epics. Hmm. And I bought, I think I used CD hmm. or something. But it was all about the cover art, you know? Yeah. And The Exploited had that cool, I don't know, streaming head guy thing or whatever. Somebody told me that that was actually a puss head thing that they ripped off. Uh, I'm not quite sure what you're even talking about, to be honest. The main exploited, like, head thing. Hmm. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, the skull. The skull thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like on yep. Let's Start a War. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. But anyway, so, man, I still love this record. And this definitely, the, the imagery... The way the band looked, and this was mid '80s. Like a lot of people, I think, really discount the Exploited after the first couple albums. I, I didn't hear it. it was already a couple years old by the time I heard it. But I, I just, I love horror epics. I love Let's Start a War. I actually will take that over the first album. As I say, by the late '80s, Exploited had kind of gone. Early '90s, they kind of gone speed metal. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Which they just still and, do, right? They still do a bit of that. Yeah, and I don't, I don't hate those records, but they're not. They don't have the menace that the yeah early stuff does. So I'm gonna play. Uh, don't forget the chaos. To me, this was the punkest song, man. Death and destruction. And don't forget the chaos. <laughs>
the exploited there would don't forget the chaos off of uh, that was off horror epics, right? From, horror epics, yeah. From from eighty five, yeah, yeah. The, the, I mean, I I was never a huge exploited fan. In fact, I hated them at first because they came on. Um, so for those that don't know, England had a church uh, TV show. Like we only had four channels when I was growing up, so Top of the Pops would be on Thursday. Well, me too. Ten years, ten years later, same dude. So it was yeah. all right. So we had Top of the Pops Thursday night at seven p.m. And basically, everybody in England watched watch that, right? So um, a lot of punk bands like the Clash wouldn't do Top of the Pops. They they refused to go on there and mime because he was supposed to mime, right? Um, uh, but the Pistols did it, right? The, no, the Pistols never did it either. They had a video. They they showed a video of a uh, pretty vacant. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were never actually in the studio or whatever. Uh, Buzzcocks did it, Jam did it, I mean, a lot of bands did it. So that was the first time you get to see some bands, actually, it was on Top of the Pops. And The Exploited came on for Dead Cities, and I just thought that was like, if, like, Benny Hill might do, a, might do a spoof where he might be dressed as a punk rocker or something, you know, when his gang were all dressed, like, the same way. And that, to me, looked like what The Exploited were doing. Um, so I, could never, I never took them seriously because <laughs> of that. And they were young. And they yeah. were young at that point. Yeah. But, so, so, but it's only over the last, you know, 20 years that I've, you know, that I've grown to enjoy uh, the first couple of albums, Punk's Not Dead and Troops of Tomorrow. But those are, like, the only two Exploited albums that I know. I have to well, I would I would definitely tell you because I like Troops of Tomorrow too. That, the first album's okay, um, sound wise, it's not as good. Um, but yeah, I would I would uh, invite you to revisit um, horror epics and let's start a war. Okay, all right. I will I will uh, I will I will look into that for sure. Um, all right. So. Jetting back to England in the late 70s, so by this time... Okay, so I said the first album I bought was the last day of 1977. I bought the first Clash album. But for Christmas 1977, my brother bought me uh, the second Stranglers album. So, funnily enough, uh, the Stranglers released two albums in 77. They released Rattus Norvegicus, which was in mid-77. Uh, so, did, so did the Ramones, Neil. So yeah. did the Ramones. But, but for an English band, that was really unusual. Uh, you know, um, yeah, because the Ramones had three albums out by the end of '77, right? They had uh, the first yeah, album was '76, yeah, the two, two and 77. 77. yeah. So the Stranglers released two albums in '77. They released Radus in mid '77, and then No More Heroes came out uh, towards the end of '77. And uh, my brother bought me No More Heroes, and I listened to it incessantly. Because it was the f- first album I, I had, probably, before I bought that Clash album. And um, I grew to absolutely love it, especially the title track. And the title track, No More Heroes, was a single. And that got on top of the pops. And so I really, really love that this song. And I, I in my punk awakenings, this was a big part of it. So I'm going to play uh, No More Heroes by The Stranglers as my fourth song in my six strings of punk. Thank you. Yeah. 
Okay, the Stranglers there with no more heroes. And it's funny, because they really don't look like punks at all. Well, I guess Hugh did, the singer. But then they had, the, you know, they were weird with the old guy playing the organ, right? And then the even older-looking guy playing the drums. Well, know, and they were, they were pre-punk. I mean, they were, yep, they were, they kind of jumped into the movement, but they were a pub rock band. Right? Yeah, they were a pub rock band, which you can hear a lot of on the first album. Well, the but, organ, I mean. Yeah. But I mean, but it still it that it adds so much to the songs though now because they had an original, very original sound. That was the thing about a lot of those '77 punk bands. There was yep, no, yeah, there was no blueprint, right? So I mean, yeah. X-ray specs doesn't sound anything like the Sex Pistols, which doesn't sound anything like the Damned, which doesn't sound anything like the Stranglers, right? Even though yeah, the old that's guy, what I always say: the the television and the Ramones, right? Yeah, the two exactly diametrically opposed bands. Love them both, but they're very different. Yeah, 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 100%, right? So, um, but by this, so this is, yeah, the end of 77. So, like I said before, I'm starting to kind of considering myself starting to be like a little punk rocker, right? So, yeah, straight like pants, shorter hair, and trying to buy badges. 
because we we had that we had that talk on the in the Facebook group, and I showed some of my yeah. old badges from seventy uh, from like seventy eight. I think it was the first one I got, and it was funny in England at that time. There was still a lot of the hippie stuff around. Even so, hippie badges like you like the hippies and metal kids would buy these badges, and they'd be fucking big. We called them jam lids because they were about as big as the lid would be on a, oh, on a yeah, jar yeah. of jam, right? Know. And yeah, like, you know they'd be working around with their like deep purple big ass badges and stuff like that. Yeah. So some of the early punk badges were that size too mm. so i had a i had a buzzcocks one with pete shelley on it that was about that size and it's just so incongruous and ugly looking <laughs> you know and if you look yeah. at pictures of punks from 77 you'll see some of these ugly ass fucking huge badges on people because those are the only ones you could get the, the smaller ones didn't probably come out until like late 78 you know, early '79 or whatever. Um, but yeah, we all had those stupid big. The modern badges. bands, a lot of them will give you like the one inch. A lot of those little one inch. We yep. have some one and a half inch. Yep. But the only way you can get them from me is to run into me in public. Yeah, but or if, if I it, send, or if I send you some records. Yeah, I send if, records, if, I'll if, send some if you ask us, we'll send you stickers for free, but not not the yes. badges and stuff. So, um, but yeah, so that so, was that was my fourth song. Stranglers, no more. So it's funny. Stranglers are still around. Yep. JJ Brunel is still in the band. Jean Jacques, so yeah, the only original member, yeah. So he and like Hugh Cornwall was he because JJ sang lead on some songs or no? Only on some songs. Hugh sang on almost all the songs. Okay, because uh, he left early on. He did. He left. Uh, I don't know, mid-80s. By the mid-80s, he was gone. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny, I saw him, because uh, he still tours solo, he still puts out solo records, or he has a, I don't know if it's do one of his like kids. Does he do like rock or is it like folk? No, he does, he does rock stuff still. Yeah. I don't think he has, he has a band, or he has some people playing with him anyway, because I saw him supporting From the Jam here um, uh, 10, 15 years Boy, ago. Boy, a band without their singer and a singer without his band. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? But it was so funny because he did a lot of those classic Stranglers songs, but it was just him playing guitar and singing and somebody playing bass. So without mm. the organ, it just sounded so weird. I mean, they're still good yeah. songs, but... Um, you do was, the Down the Sewer song? He did not do it. But no. your, your, favorite, your favorite song? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because Jet Black is dead. I'm looking yep. at the previous members. Really not that many members considering how long they've been around. Um, yeah, they, I mean, I mean, so yeah, the drummer's dead. The, the keyboard player died. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Jean-Jacques Jean Brunel, the bass player, is the only original member left. Um, <laughs> Hugh Cornwall does his own thing, obviously. I think there was a huge falling out. I don't know what it was about, but... Uh, yeah, I don't think it ended hmm. well. So, interesting band, interesting band. The Stranglers. As I'm continuing my journey now, and I'm getting into skateboarding and BMXing, I'm still looking. I still am being drawn towards these bands that have the really awesome iconography. Okay. And I don't think there's any band that's been better at it over the years. You know, because you could say the Misfits, but the Misfits also sort of sold their souls down the river by putting their like this on any piece of junk that would pay them 10 cents true enough yeah that's true but i freaking loved and i know this you're gonna say this is a similar to an english thing but i always loved the dri running man yeah that's a great logo and i know this the spiz energy or whatever yeah spiz oil spiz energy spiz yeah the the european band had the same kind of thing but man i love dri they were very popular around the uh half pipe I had a friend that had a giant half pipe out in the country. Nice. Uh, yeah, and a pool. I mean, they were much economically much 
advanced from us but it was a real cool setup we had a big old ghetto blaster out there you know um you know and and obviously dri is another one where you get into their later stuff it's definitely more thrash more mm-hmm. speed metal type stuff but their first full length dealing with it still kind of straddles that and i struggled to pick out a song because like i said I was, I was actually kind of more drawn towards their thrashier stuff but the song that i always loved from dealing with it is i don't need society and it's you know for a number of reasons imagine you're 15 16 year old kid hearing this guy who's probably a few years older than you screaming about how he doesn't need society so that is my next song man all right dri DRI, i don't need society DRI there with I Don't Need Society. And for those that don't know, whoever you might be, what does DRI stand for? Dirty Rotten Imbeciles. There you go. And I love that. I love that too. I mean, yeah. I had so many t-shirts back in the day. I had like the the Slumlord Doesn't Care t-shirt. I had uh, just, I love their stuff. Got, you know, the patches. And, and uh, I've seen them probably 15 times. Wow. Not bad for a kid from the sticks, you know. Um, DRI, interesting one for me because, uh, okay, so I was in the States 83 to 84, and then I went back to England to graduate 84 to 85. And while I was there, so you said dealing with it was the first album, but then they had that weird compilation the before they that, a, right? Well, they had a self titled like seven inch, I had like 20 songs on it or something. Well, I got that, it's, yeah, because the first the Dirty one, Rotten EP, called- right? Dirty there's Dirty Rotten EP, yeah. then there's a version called the Dirty Rotten LP, which I have, which I think adds some tracks. But it was so, they crammed so many songs on their first seven inch, it was insane. So, but yeah, dealing with it was their first proper full length. Yeah, so. The other song I, the other song I considered playing, which I loved so much, was their like first, I don't want to say hit single, but their first EP was called Violent Pacification, hmm. which was a great, great single you know 
so because I'd had a you know an education eighty three to eighty four <coughs> when I came to the states in you know in the, the new American sound that was coming through the hardcore sound all that stuff and so I knew who DRI were so when I back, went back to England in late in summer of eighty four um, the record store in, in Liverpool Eric, uh, Probe um, they would get American imports. And nobody knew what the fuck they were. So when I would go in there, I'd pretty much have free reign on the American imports, on the hardcore imports. And that's how I have the first Agnostic Front press of the first album, which is now worth yep. hundreds of dollars. That's how I have the first Descendants EP. That's how I have, you know, a lot of that early stuff. And they had that Dirty Rotten Imbeciles, uh, whatever, that, that first weird one, the black and white cover. Yeah, the dirty, dirty rotten EP or whatever it was called. Yeah, it's um, like the weird head, like patchy hair. Yeah, head. patchy. Yeah, like someone's just cut their hair themselves. Yeah, it's got twenty-two songs on it, and so I bought that. I never liked it that much, but I, I love the fact that. The so song, was that a twelve-inch or seven-inch? Tw- I got the twelve-inch. Okay, and you yeah, know, it's just insanely like the grooves are so packed in yep. on that seven-inch. I can believe it, yeah, because some of the songs are like 40, 40 seconds, 30 seconds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 20 seconds, yeah. 30 seconds. So, um, I Like, I don't need that. Society was on that album, too. It was a minute 15. Uh, but, yeah, there were songs that were like 20 seconds. Yeah, that's right. It was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, Human Waste, 19 seconds. Who yeah. Am I, 45 seconds. Yeah, it's... So it was one. It was one of those ones that I bought. I didn't really play it that much, but uh, I like the idea of it a lot. No. But uh, but then they got yeah like you said they got kind of metal so I I kind of lost interest in that. Well, uh, the first the first two were definitely on the punk side, like Dirty Rotten EP, Dirty Rotten LP, whatever you want to call it. Then dealing with it, and then crossover, where they kind of called their shot. You know, we're kind of yeah crossover to metal. But I always I just I always loved his voice. Well, that's going to be perfect. And, and, that's going to be perfect for you, the crossover thing, because you kind of were. You came from metal. Yeah. And still love oh, some absolutely. of that stuff. I, yeah. love, I love all those bands. Yeah. And I've, I've really been on, and it has always happens at the beginning of each new year. I'm on a huge thrash kick because I always feel like I listen to a lot of pop punk at the end of the year. And then when the new year comes, I need to cleanse my palate. Yeah. No, I but, get that um, completely. <laughs> but I loved um, his voice, Kurt Brecht's voice, because it had this, like, it was so antagonistic. Mm hmm. It was, but it, he kind of, you know, he kind of sang, he kind of shouted, because a lot of these heavier bands, I like the music, but I can't stand the singer, hmm. and I just, I always liked his voice. So, the same, is it the same? Like, who's in the band now that was in it back? So, then? Kurt Breck, the guitar uh, singer, and uh, Spike Cassidy, the guitar player, have been there the whole time, oh, over okay. forty years. Okay, they've gone through a ton of rhythm sections. What's this? Oh, Kurt, Kurt Breck, that's the singer, right? Yeah. Okay. And he's written a couple. I got a couple of his books. Hmm. He wrote these like self-published little books. And hmm. hey, speaking of, uh, how are you doing on the Mike McGrand book? Oh, I finished that a while ago. Okay, so it's brilliant, right? I mean, it's a great book. It's a great book. In fact, I read that, and then I read um, the guitarist from Echo and the Bunnymen. Now he's got his second book out, and I oh, just no, I, I just finished that. So I got that for Christmas, and I just finished that as well. Um, so yeah, we can have a we can on, have a book sh- we can have a book show me. one day. There you go. I'm working on finishing the Punk Rock by uh, Rob. The John Rob. Book. Yeah. I bet you um, he. Would, I bet you he would come on the show. Maybe I'll reach out to John Rob. And yeah, see if that'd he be wants cool. I like the book the quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so you know, I always I had that idea before, where it would be like we should do a book club. Yeah. And and 
I mean, everybody, we're not going to try to sell the books or anything, but everybody could just read the book and we could just like have like Facebook Live and <laughs> talk about the book or something. Well, I think, um, I think we could, I mean, we'll definitely get Mike back on the show because his book is yeah. so good. And, Dude, you know, I have a lot of questions for him and he's such a nice kid. A nice kid. Nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, he's it's funny kid. because the reason I thought about it was because that amazing, and I don't want to get into it too much because I want to talk to him about it, but where he talks about when they're on tour and they meet up with Glenn Danzig. Yeah, that's hysterical, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I'm doing the math. I'm like, okay, these guys are like 20, but Glenn would have been like 25, 28 or something at the time. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's fun, funny stuff. Yeah. Man, that's I, I got to tell you, that's that, looking back at last year, one of my favorite things was that we had Mike on, and then we saw him like right after we had him on. Yep. Perfect. It was a real cool, conne- it was a real cool connection. And yeah. I, not only do I want to have him back on, but they, I want to yeah, keep in touch with that company that he wrote that book for because they seem to be putting out a lot of semi cool like punk adjacent stuff so mm, okay so anyway anyway not to lose track uh, i'm sorry you know go back to where we, we, what year are we transporting back to now so now now it's now it's yeah. seven now it's 78 and i'm fully i'm fully i'm fully into it right people at school are making fun of me i've uh, yeah. and, uh, but the band i really like the ramones are american I couldn't. Yep. I, I I dug them. I loved them, but I couldn't. They didn't really. I was in high school and school in high school um, in England. You know, school uniform and stuff. So what they were doing didn't really affect my day to day. It wasn't. It didn't reflect who I was, kind of thing. Um, sure. But the band that I really loved, because they were from up north like me, was the Buzzcocks. Because they're from Manchester. They didn't dress super outrageous. They dressed kind of normal, and I could do that. You know, they had normal hair, and they would, you know... So, I, I really gravitated towards Buzzcocks, right? And, um... So, I think I was talking about this on, on the in, the in the group the other day, but uh, I, did, I didn't have a job, so I was... I, my dad gave me pocket money once a week. I think I got, like, 50p. So, that would be enough if, in a couple of weeks, I could buy a single. You know, a 7-inch. Um, if I wanted an album, you know, you'd be talking... Three ninety nine or something. You'd have to save up for a while to get an album or whatever. So I was buying a lot of seven inches. So um, the Buzzcocks, they were they were, and that's funny because they were a singles band. You know, they sure. they released probably six singles by the you know by the end of seventy eight. Um, difficult to find in picture sleeve. So I had to hunt around, but they always had really good artwork on their sleeves. So their picture sleeves were worth finding. So um, when I got the well, it was their it was their second single on United Art Artists. Actually, their third single if you count Spiral Scratch. But that was obviously on a on an independent label, and you couldn't. Well, that get, was like an EP, really. Right? It was oh, well, it was an EP, but you also couldn't get it, you know, because they they'd released that independently, and it had long sold out by by the middle of '78. So you couldn't find it. So um, Orgasm Addict was their first single on a major label, and What Do I Get was their f- second single. And that's what I'm going to play because that that single stood out to me so much because the artwork is stark. It's just like light green, dark green. Um, What Do I Get is such an amazing song, even though it's only like a minute 30 or something. And then on the B-side, oh boy, oh shit was the B-side. And it was probably the first song I'd heard, the first time I'd heard someone swearing on, on a record, you know. Um, and it's short and to the point, and so that's that single always really stood out to me. So I am gonna play for my next single, uh, for my next song. I'm gonna play "What Do I Get" by uh, Buzzcocks. I 
just wanna love her like any other What do I get? I only want a friend who stays to the end What do I get? What do I get? Oh, what do I get? What do I get? Oh, what do I get? I'm in distress, I need a caress What do I get? I'm a make I just need a break What do I get? What do I get? Oh, what do I get? What do I get? Oh, what do I get? I only get sleepless nights Along here in my heart Then we are just in the time I tried So we said all it happened to me Instead, what do I get? Yeah, I mean, so I love Buzzcocks for a number of different reasons, but like I say, they they kind of they dress normal, and they they were also on t- they they would they would do Top of the Pops, so they would you would see them, you know, and they would chart too. So you know, the their singles might get to uh, uh, you know number fifteen, number twenty in the charts. So, so you talk like about that. Top of the Pops? Top of the Pops, yes. Yep. They had they had punk stuff on there, which I'm sure was a thrill. Because I gotta say that was probably like every couple of months, right? I assume the majority of it was just crapola. Oh, it's really interesting actually watching this. You know, because you, you can find them now on YouTube. You can find you know uh, top of the pops from 1977, 78, and so yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd see there might be a couple of punk bands every every show, but then yeah, it would be mixed in with the BGS and uh, you know songs from Greece, so you know ABBA, <laughs> you know stuff like that, or even worse stuff than that, right? Because huh. the late seventies were just such a weird time. You know, we would get yeah. the Carpenters still. Or, I mean, know, but there was, was like so would somebody like a Pink Floyd do that or a Hawkwind or something like a prog rock band? Um, 
Hawkwind had, they, had they a couple didn't have of room. S- well, they didn't have enough room on the stage for Genesis to fake it. Well, Pink Floyd weren't really doing singles, though, were they? I mean, because this this was this was top ten, oh, I suppose, top yeah, twenty yeah. singles. You know, uh, that that was that was the big deal. It wasn't album charts; it was singles. Yeah, charts. I suppose Hawkwind wasn't yeah. really dropping a bunch of classic singles, right? right? Yeah, but we would. They get, were doing two-hour acid trip concerts. But you might get, um, you might get uh, not ACDC, but you might get like Deep Purple, or you might get uh, Rainbow or something mm. doing Long Live rock and roll or you know something like mm. that uh but yeah normally it was a lot of the stuff you know well basically to rollers were mm. probably a little bit earlier than that but you'd get some dress some dross and dross in there too but um yeah you'd see that a stranglers might be on or and they'd make fun of it because they'd be miming so they wouldn't even be pretending to play uh you know but buzzcocks yeah buzzcocks were on all the time and the jam would be on there too so that's probably when I started mm. falling in love with the jam was seeing them on top of the pops but uh, yeah Buzzcocks Buzzcocks were it for me so I was collecting their singles and then late 78 I got their first album uh, another music and then they were, that was the first concert I ever went to was Buzzcocks and Subway Sect in October 78 so it's, inter- yeah. it's interesting because I don't own a Buzzcocks LP but I have that singles going steady which I think is Superb. 16 or 18 songs it's just the single I think I want to say it's the A sides on the A side of the record and the B sides on the B side and it really is yep it's I mean it's it's a I guess a greatest hits in a way sort sort of lame but it's so good it's like the jam snap you know it's just like yep. man it's so it's so good I know it's not a proper LP but the fact of the matter is I don't know that I need to go back and get every Buzzcocks LP I'm just not that into them I love that batch of songs and maybe I should try to dig into them a little deeper but uh, well, oh, this is so good. Well, the singles are so classic, right? The singles were all yeah. all excellent, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's 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 a great that's a great compilation album. That one really is, and the artwork is good on it. And it's uh, it's nice that they put the B sides on there too, because a lot of compilations they'll only put the A sides. But it was nice because the B sides were great. You know, the B sides yeah. were great. But that was all the United Artists stuff. So yeah, Spiral Scratch is not on that. Did they, they ever repress? I mean, did that ever? Oh, it's been re- yeah, it's okay. been re- it's been repressed numerous times. I don't know the that first, I've ever heard. I don't know that I've ever heard it. Well, you've heard you no know, boredom and oh, break, okay. breakdown and oh, no, times okay. up. Yeah, yeah. You, okay, you, I guess I do know them because yeah. I have like a friends of a, mine. Those are the four songs. I have like a three. I think it's a like a triple CD compilation of Buzzcocks stuff. Yeah. So I mean, the, I mean that that is fantastic, and it was reissued um, in late '79, I want to say, and it was the exact same cover, except it said with Howard Devoto on it. So if you ever see a, pit, a seven inch oh, spiral scratch, yeah, with, with then it says spirals, you know, with Howard Devoto, Buzzcocks with Howard Devoto, then you'll know that's the reissue from '79 ish. Even and it's been reissued numerous times since then, but that was uh, that was the, that was the telltale that you didn't have the original. Was if it said with Howard Devoto on it. So it's funny, right? Because I've played one English song only. Yeah. And have you played an American song? Or have you done all English songs? Uh, no, because I did. Well, yeah, I played Dead Boys. I started with the Dead Boys. Dead Boys. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I wish. I wish I could tell you that I. You know, the thing with the Dead Boys too, they weren't still around when I got into music. You know, like the Ramones were still around. Right. When I got into the Ramones, pistols weren't obviously, but so I was able to see the Ramones a couple of times, and uh, you know, even later on, I mean, it wasn't the same, obviously, with with CJ and Marky, and you know, they were they were in a different place in their career, but uh, but I was glad to see them. But yeah, I, I'd love to say that I like, but I had no idea in nineteen eighty eight, you know, eighty nine. I don't know that I hardly knew who the Dead Boys were. 
Right. I'm not even sure how I found the how I found the Dead Boys. But I'm sure it was through Sonic Reducer. Well, I'll tell you this: it was diff because I did obviously I did know who they were, but finding uh, the album was really really difficult. Uh, finding Young Loud and Snotty was really hard, and I didn't I didn't get the second album for for years. Um, in fact, I think I got that in the states when I came in the states in '83 was when I when I got We Have Come mm. for Your Children. But yeah, finding uh, and I bought Young Loud and Snotty used from a used record store, probably you know in. Uh, I don't know, eighty, eighty-one, something like that. So the other, the other thing I must say was so many of these, you know, I, I loved like the Headbangers Ball era thrash stuff, mm-hmm. and I still will say that I think that has more in common with the original punk and hardcore stuff than a lot of what's considered punk today. Agreed. I, I think Anthrax is punker than Blink One Eighty Two at the end of the day, but those bands, a lot of them were really good at doing old punk covers. Yeah, like, I know Overkill did Sonic Reducer. Uh, Metallica very famously did uh, uh, Green Hell and Last Caress. Um, I remember the first time, like I didn't know who Toxic Reasons were until I heard. Uh, or I'm sorry, not Toxic Reasons. Verbal Abuse. I really didn't know Verbal Abuse until I heard their Slayer Slayer cover. Hmm. Played a couple of their songs, so that was always so. I, that is kind of a weird way I came about finding because of those thrash bands i did it kind of led me to, I'm, I'm the guy who you know when i hear a cover version i'll go and find the original go find the original version and probably buy that record too so that's definitely been a thing it, that's almost like a whole show in itself you know i always talk about yeah. my love of the meat man like i wouldn't know who the pagans were if i hadn't heard what's this shit called love done by the meat man you know Oh, that, see, and it's it's good that you say that because, and also you, you said it before. So you got to remember as well. I mean, I don't know how many how many younger kids we got listening to this podcast, but um, back then there was no internet. There was no finding out about bands. Like I might no. like we we got the music weeklies, the enemy and sounds and stuff like that that would come out. Um, you know, once every Thursday they come out every Thursday, and so you might hear about a band you know, in passing or something, or see an album review, but you didn't really have any context to put it in, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and so getting information about some of these bands, it was like you would you would find out about bands from uh, maybe a T-shirt somebody was wearing on a record sleeve, you know, or something yeah. like that. And that's how you would find out about bands, just like you were saying about the Pagans. You found out about the Pagans from listening to, you know, somebody else or, or something. You yeah. Know? And then you go find them, and, and yeah, so... So, yeah, it would be a huge hunt then. Like I said, I mean, trying to find that first Dead Boys album in Liverpool was next to impossible, you know? Because sure. it probably came out when it came out in on Sire, and sold, once the record stores sold out of the one copy they had, good luck. That was yeah. it, you know? So, so, yeah, you found stuff wherever you could get it, and that's why my last song is now kind of like a punk rock standard everybody knows it but i don't know where i originally heard it maybe it was repo man that repo man soundtrack mm. was huge yeah because it was i mean it wasn't you know the tight it wasn't titanic or something but it was a mainstream movie and same thing with valley girl for like new wave you know modern english the plimsolls and all those bands on the valley girl soundtrack yeah i think that helped launch a lot of that but um so, um, it, suicidal tendencies institutionalized, which I know is kind of a cliche, but man, once I heard that record, man, I saw your mommy, mm-hmm. um, suicidal failure, I shot the devil. So many great, or I, I can't remember if they called that I shot the devil, or I shot Reagan, or whatever it was. But there's so many great, great songs, and 
you know, so yeah, my last one is suicidal, and I love suicidal. I love their early stuff. I love their metal stuff. They kind of went metal too, obviously. They even would like even put out an album in the early nineties that was almost like alternative rock. Hmm. Well, didn't they do some kind of rap thing too? Didn't they have some kind of rap crossover or something at some point? Uh, or was that like just, a spinoff? Was that a spinoff? It was like band? a spinoff. I did ah. not get into that. It's too funky for me. <laughs> See, unlike Didi Ramon, you're not a funky guy. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not funky, man. I'm not. I, 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 I got to get real drunk to dance, and even then, I'm not good at it. You know. Yeah. No, I get that. Completely. So, so yeah, and I, I don't know. Maybe I should play a more obscure track. But uh, if I'm being honest, this was definitely one of the first ones I heard. And man, I love this song for so long. I remember here, even like when my son Gibson, who's like almost 25 now, was a little baby, we'd be jamming on this song, ah. the suicidal tendencies. So yeah, let's play institutionalized the famous, you know, uh the famous maybe more famous now for being, you know, having the word Pepsi mentioned in it several times than it is as as a song. So Definitely. It's funny cuz I wonder, you know, you see these memes, you know, these punk rock memes and you're like, you wonder I wonder if these kids really know what this is about. Yeah. So if there is somebody young and you see these like Mike Mike Muir, the suicidal tendencies guy like holding a diet coke or drinking a Pepsi or something, this is what it's from. So this is from the first Suicide Times album, self-titled from 83, I think. This is institutionalized. Sometimes I try to do things and it just doesn't work out the way I want it to. And I get real frustrated. And like, I try hard to do it and I like take my time but it just doesn't work out the way I want it to. It's like I concentrate on real hard, but it just doesn't work out. And everything I do and everything I try, it never turns out. It's like I need time to figure these things out. There's always someone there going, hey Mike, you know, we've been noticing you've been having a lot of problems lately, you know? You maybe get away. And like, maybe you should talk about it, you feel a lot better. And I go, no, it's okay, you know, I'll figure it out. Just leave me alone, I'll figure it out, you know? I'm just working on it myself. They go, well, you know, if you want to talk about it, I'll be here, you know? And you'll probably feel a lot better if you talk about it. So why don't you talk about it? I go, no, I don't want to, I'm okay. I'll figure it out myself. And they just keep bugging me. They just keep bugging me. They build on the side. It's got to be a suicide. So come and pray with one side. You won't have anything. I pray with you to see the way. I'm not crazy. Here's the design. You're the one who's crazy. Here's the design. You're driving me crazy. Here's the design. They take me in and institute. You better work the only solution to give me the professor. I'm protecting from the enemy myself. I was in my room, and I was just like staring at the wall, thinking about everything, and then again I was thinking about nothing. And then my mom came in, and I didn't even know she was there. She called my name, and I didn't hear her, and then she started screaming, Mike, Mike! And I go, what? What's the matter? She goes, what's the matter with you? I go, there's nothing wrong, Mom. She goes, don't tell me that. You're on drugs. I go, no, Mom, I'm not on drugs. I'm okay, I'm just thinking, you know? Why don't you give me a Pepsi? She goes, no, you're on drugs. I go, Mom, I'm okay, I'm just thinking. She goes, no, you're not digging, you're not just None of people don't act in that way I go, mom, just give me a Pepsi, please All I want's a Pepsi And she wouldn't give it to me All I wanted was a Pepsi Just one Pepsi And she wouldn't give it to me Just a Pepsi Can you like, do with like these? Can I bring it back to see a thief? Just get me, just play me It's the word now, it's crazy I'm not crazy Here's the decision You're the one that's crazy Here's the decision You're trying to be crazy Here's the decision They stick me in and I'm 
sitting in my room. My mom and my dad came in. They pulled up the chair and they sat down. They go, Mike, we need to talk to you. I go, okay, what's the matter? They go, me and your mom, we've noticed lately you've been having a lot of problems. And you've been going off for no reason. And we're afraid you're going to hurt somebody. And we're afraid you're going to hurt yourself. So we decided that it would be in your best interest if we put you somewhere where you can get the help that you need. And I go, wait, what are you talking about? We decided my best interest? How do you know what my best interest is? How can you say what my best interest is? What are you trying to say? I'm crazy. When I went to your school, I went to your churches, I went to your institutional learning facilities. So how can you say I'm crazy? Say no to big for crazy. Leave me suffering every day. Why can't they think I had better leave me? I'll be dead. I'm not crazy. Yeah, suicidal tendencies there. Um, and like you say, it's almost become like a, a, a cliche now, that song. But I'll tell you what, when I bought that album in 83, that song was fucking outstanding. And yeah. it wasn't a joke. And it spoke to a lot of people. Sure did. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's me. So, yeah, so I was I was in the States, like I say, 83, 84, and went back to England, 84, 85. And I had a, a, a Laura a, with me now. Um, she gave me a, an old White Sox baseball cap um, when I was there in 83. And so, so I'm walking around in, uh, in Liverpool with my leather jacket on with Tux of Reasons painted on the back. And uh, this uh, White Sox baseball cap... Uh, with the broom turned up with suicidal written ah, on it you know, know <laughs> yeah people didn't know what the fuck that was that was about uh so yeah that was that was pretty cool because um yeah as i always went through i almost feel like i, I mean you, through, you love that first record right like, oh god yeah it's fantastic that's a fantastic yeah. record um but i almost feel like i went through punk rock twice back 77 78 in england and then when yeah. i came to the states 83 84 I almost got like a second indoctrination of all these new bands and this new sound. So that would almost be a topic for another show. Not that we'll do it, well, but I'm just it, saying, it really was. Well, it's know? funny because for me too, because the way I got into it, you know, explain, I got into it like the same stuff. I got into First Wave. That's how I got into it. Yeah. And now we're going into some 80s, you know, talking about some 80s stuff, Misfits and Suicidal and stuff like that. But the fact of the matter is, I, I started to kind of drift in the earlier 90s. I was kind of drifting a little bit. And I could almost do like the six songs that got me back into punk. Hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Because yeah. that's when, like, that's when I started listening to Screechy Weasel stuff like that. And I'm like, oh man, I kind of forgot how cool this stuff was. And it kind of, and then not, you know, two years later, three years later, there was that huge, you know, rancid offspring Green Day. Yep. kind of explosion and i was playing in bands at that time and that was that one brief glimpse where it's like oh man maybe we could actually do this yeah because those, those the charts, bands, yeah yeah those bands were starting to do it something a lot but anyway yeah it's like i said topic for a different day i mean that like 82 83 so i was i mean i was ripe for this because um you know that uk decay 82 kind of era of stuff yep. a lot discharge, of that stuff like, discharge well, and all that that yeah discharge never really grabbed me too much crass 
Um, and then a lot of those, uh, you know, the the um, what not not scum punk. What the hell do you? Dude, I think like? the only way Crass could grab me is if they chloroformed me and threw you in the back of the van. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it was you know like Dirt and all those crass kind of bands. Oh, dude, um, I saw Dirt when they did a revival in the ninety, in the early nineties. They were great. <laughs> okay, uh, but a lot of that stuff. They were, lo- dude, they were playing squats. They're like these forty-year-old people playing squats. It was amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, that 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 whole squat culture, right? So a lot of that stuff didn't didn't grab me at all because I was skateboarding and I was young, and, I, and then I, you know, but the American stuff grabbed me completely immediately because that seemed so different than a lot of the the, mm. the grim yeah. English uh, black and white stuff that was coming out. A lot of the American stuff was full color and and positive, a positive yeah. message instead of you know punk sniffing glue and drinking and drinking cider out of bottles, right? Um, so I was really ripe for that. So that really spoke to me when I when I first came to the states in '83. But anyway. We're going back to a young me in '78, and you know, by now I'm feeling it, right? I'm feeling I'm I'm part of. There wasn't a move. Wouldn't call it, you can call it a movement, but uh, I was. Well, I, the people I, people who are a couple years older than you will tell you the movement was already done by then. Yeah, th- yeah, fucking idiots. So, well, you know, it's, it's interesting reading that book, Neil, about how you know a lot of them say punk died when the Pistols went on the Bill Grundy show. Yeah. Because it became a media circus after that, and it wasn't about anything other than hype at that point uh it's it's interesting i mean well once again i mean certainly we can argue it because we feel like the movement's still going today but they were on the ground you know so i think they're certainly entitled to their opinion Uh, they are but it's so silly so they played dress up for six months and that's what they consider punk it's it's just kind of funny well don't you think most of these old guys on these websites that was it they they literally did they for a year or two they uh yeah they live action role played and then they went out with their lives and they haven't gotten over it yet. Well, punk as a movement is still going strong and has it. It's changed so much over the years. But anyway, so I, so I, you know, I had, um, I had my straight leg jeans. I went and I bought, I think I, I put it on the thing. I bought my first Clash T-shirt from Probe, and I had like a mohair sweater that I would wear. I couldn't wear it in front of my mom, so I would just wear it out of the house, you know. <laughs> I'd hide it or something and, and sneak out with it, you know. I had a padlock. See, that was, I, I don't think mohair sweaters were a punk thing here, definitely. I had the I had the Sid Vicious padlock on a chain. Again, oh, I, yeah. I couldn't wear it in, in in front of my mom, but I would you know, I'd wear it out to the you know, to the yeah. youth club disco or whatever. And uh yeah, I considered myself really part of it. And so by this time I'm looking for some other stuff because I had, you know, the Buzzcocks only had one album out or something, you know, the Clash two albums out or something but I'd heard about the adverts mm. and I was like I, but they I guess they were on top of the pops but I'd missed them so I'd always read about the adverts Gary Gilmore's Eyes and One Chord Wonders and stuff yeah. but I never heard them because there was nowhere to listen to that stuff we had we had one you know of uh, government regulated radio stations and then top of the pops and that was pretty much an old grey whistle test but that was for hippies right you'd mm. never get the adverts in the old grey whistle test which of course, they might have actually been, and I just missed it. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, so I see I'm in a used record store by my house, and I see uh, Crossing the Red Sea with the adverts, the first album, yep. used for I think it was like two pounds, and I got my money together. And I took a chance, and I put the needle on the vinyl. And One Chord Wonders is the first track, and I was so fucking blown and away. We don't care. Yeah. I can't, I can't even, I can't tell you how blown away I was by One Chord Wonders. How absolutely amateurish it was, and how ramshackle that song is. 
Um, like the drummer couldn't really play. Gay Edward couldn't really play the bass. It's so incredibly simple, but it's still so incredibly powerful. And that album front to back is a fucking all-time classic. And um, so that's that's the next one. Oh, the last one that I'm going to play from my uh, Six Strings of Punk. Which is interesting that I don't have Sex Pistols. But... Uh, yeah, yeah, it is interesting. Uh, go these, back, go go back and listen to episode. Well, I don't know what episode it was. We of course had TV Smith on. Yep, and then we also had Glenn Matlock on, obviously from, yes, from, yes. The, from the original Pistols. Now I, the funny thing is, um, my brother had bought the early Pistols singles, so that was one punk band that he did like. He had the early huh. Pistols singles, and he bought Nevermind the Bollocks when it first came out. So you he, probably should have liberated those from him when you moved here. <laughs> I liberated the singles. I did not dare to liberate the album because he'd have noticed oh, you that did, was though. missing. I okay. did. I took the singles. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so yeah, uh, yeah. Adverts, one chord wonders. <laughs> adverts with one chord wonders uh their first single and the first track off their first album uh absolutely fucking amazing song so yeah so my brother had two punk albums that he owned 
He had Nevermind the Bollocks, and he had that very first Stranglers album, uh, mm. Ratus Norvegicus, yeah, with the one with Down in the Sewer on it. That's, uh, yeah, is, is your song, basically. My theme song, yeah. Your theme song, yeah. Yeah, so that's my six strings of punk. So, yeah, then, yeah, I went to see the Buzzcocks, my first show, October 78, and by then, I remember walking home because I went with two friends from school, and uh, I, I, I came out of that like, wow, my world has just changed, you know? after I came home from that, um, hmm. thinking everything is going to be different now. 15, uh, what can you do? I was going to say, my first like big non-garage punk show I went to was DRI 89. Hmm. I'd, I'd, I'd seen some hair, hair metal stuff where it was, here, it was here in Grand Rapids. Hmm. And it was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. It really was. They were at their peak commercially. So it was probably couple thousand people there maybe somebody tore a sink out of the bathroom wall uh, it was people were just past I, dude it was it was amazing it was the most amazing thing i've ever seen it was a different world than the you know going back to high school the next day or whatever yeah, yeah and like you sure. said it was just it was like i don't know what that was but that's what i want to do now like i said i'd seen some like you know i, I saw kiss and I, I saw some other you know stuff like that but i'd never seen the violence and the whole thing well that's interesting because that's kind of like what mike mcgrann talks about in the in the book right is uh you know the first him and uh kim him and kim yeah they went to they went to some big aerosmith or something, aerosmith like that, yeah. or something against some park in la or something right or wherever they, yeah. wherever they live yeah so it's kind of a similar thing and he, and uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was Aerosmith, right? Because he talked about uh, the singer being out of his mind or something. Well, and then it came down to you know literally going to garage shows and stuff like that, where you know we all were on the same floor and yep. the bands and the participants were there was hardly any difference. And then you know started playing myself. You started so. playing with yourself. What? Yes. yes. <laughs> so yeah. My first, my yeah, first show, my first show was Buzzcocks in late '78. My second show was The Jam in early '79. So, yeah, hmm. that was two two good ones, I guess, for your first two shows, right? There you go. Yeah, my first two official like huge rock shows were like uh, The Who when they were doing their farewell tour. <laughs> the farewell tour, which they're still yeah. doing, you know, yeah, forty and, years uh, later. It was like a, and then it was like a big, big hair metal show. So, anyway. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Neil. I think we're probably pretty talked out. That was Six Strings of Punk. Six Strings of Punk. Yeah. I think our lists were a bit better than fucking uh, Jeff Rosen. Jeff Rosen's uh, Rosen dick, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. You talk about the like the anxiety thing. Like, we really weren't allowed to have anxiety. No. <laughs> Like I'll, you, you know, you want to be anxious? I'll beat you until you're anxious, or I'll give you something to be anxious about. Well, but it was. I mean, funny though. I mean, going to sh- going that first show, I was fucking terrified. You read all these oh, things yeah, about yeah, punk yeah, rockers definitely. and stuff, and yeah. you know, there's people sitting outside the venue spitting, and that was when spitting was a big thing, right? Yeah. Everyone was still <laughs> spitting at each other and stuff, and I was fucking terrified. But you make yourself do it, and you yep. you live through it, and you fucking deal with it and you realize that you're you know nothing is owed to you you're new to this and so you're yep. gonna just sit at the back and just fucking be quiet right well and, and, and like even in grand rapids which is not chicago by any stretch of the imagination the clubs were in horrible neighborhoods yeah scary places you know going to park and everything else so yeah but uh yeah definitely 
I mean, it's funny because, you know, I, I did it with a bunch of kids. You know, there's a bunch of us. You know, and I was definitely the spearheader of the situation, you know. Mm-hmm. I was definitely the leader of the pack. And But most of them have faded away, I hate to say, you know. And I'm probably, I'm sure you probably could say the same thing. That, uh, uh, the, you know, we were all pretty sincere about what we were doing back in those days. But pretty much everybody else... You know, not that I didn't get a job and have a family and all that. I did all that stuff, but I never really, you know, gave it up. But I yeah. feel like most most of the people I came up with are much more straight laced than I am at this point. Yeah, there was. I had two other people in the village where I lived, Wallasey, which is a suburb of Liverpool. Um, there was two other two other punk kids in the village that I met at the village at the village disco or whatever the uh, the youth club disco yeah. uh, I met them there and they were both into the jam and they were dressed in like black jam suits with ties and I was like fucking amazed you know yeah. it was like they came from out of space you know because um, <laughs> nobody else dressed like that you know it was sure. uh, it was fucking awesome in fact my friend Vosi who we actually might have on episode 300 you know he he, fucking, he did the classic thing right he had long hair and he wanted to get his haircut punk style so we took um the album cover for the uh, he took the album uh, the jam in the city and he took that into the hairdressers ah. and pointed to Bruce Fox and said I want my hair like that what, you know you couldn't buy a copy of some magazine <laughs> cheapskate no but how, how fucking cool is that you know and uh uh yeah those those were those of the days it, everything seemed so fucking simple back in those days but uh, yeah. yeah we were outnumbered by the metal kids like 10 to 1 so yeah. we got uh, numerous stories of us, you know, being threatened at this, uh, at the different, uh, a different. You call them a disco, which is a dance or something where they played records and you try and cop off with girls, right? But um, I was I was yeah. such a music lover that I never really was alienated from the metal kids, and I think that was a you know not that we're totally different generations, but I think there was a difference. You know, ten years later, I think there was a difference as far as that went. So you didn't get yelled at people yelling at you for being a punk or whatever and like I remember when I was like when I was like fifteen and I shaved like one side of my head but not the other. I definitely got some looks. Hmm. And there was ah, there was a little bit of eh, you know, hey faggot, you know, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. There was a little bit little bit of that. Yeah. We we got stuff like that all the time, unfortunately, because like I said, but, there was only three of us. Well, and once again, you know, I didn't have any uh, anything like punk clothing, the safety pins, leather jackets, and all that. I had to make it myself. Yeah. It really you know? was. You know, going back then, there was no leather jackets. I mean, the leather well, jackets came a, a bit there later. Was, there was know? in Wisconsin. I could get a biker yeah. jacket if I could afford it. Um, I remember, I mean, I had to deliver a lot of papers to get my first leather jacket, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you. But it was, uh, it was a, it was an interesting time, man. It was like I said, you know, the people my age generally got into who got into punk got into it through the war tour and all that stuff, and I just didn't. You know, I was just, I was a different. I don't know, it's because I'm a few years older, or I just, I don't know. I got into the first wave, and I just took a little different path than most of these people my age. So. Well, there you go. There you go. Well, that's listen, it's, that's, it's that's our story, fun. and we're sticking it's to it. Fun, yeah, it's been a fun walk down memory lane. I hope yeah. people enjoyed it. I, I mean, they better enjoy the songs. If they don't, they can piss up a row. I mean, I'm sure some, you, most of you have heard you know some of the songs before. But Just maybe a dozen been, of the greatest punk songs of all time. Yeah, you know? yeah definitely. And, uh, and a know. pretty good variety, right? There's some yeah. trashy stuff in there, buzzcocks, some pop stuff, so... Yeah, you got a, you got a English one and American four American songs. Yeah, and a Scottish one. I got uh, yeah. Glenn Irish. Danzig. Glenn Danzig singing about 
hacking the heads off little girls and hanging them <laughs> on his wall. <laughs> yeah. So weird, dude. Anyway, punktilydice seventy seven at Gmail. I think this will be a good conversation generator. Punktilydice seventy seven at Gmail. Uh, of course, the Facebook group going fairly strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. If you want stickers, just let us know. We'll give you. We'll send you some of the classic stickers for free. Just give us your address and stuff. And uh, yep. If you already, if we already told you we were going to send you some, but it's been several weeks, tell us again. We won't be offended. It means we missed you. I think you can still get our t-shirts if you want. If you wanted merch, I think they still have our t-shirts up at uh, loudpizza.com. Um, I have I have a couple. The only two the only t-shirts I have now I have two two double X ones. So if you're a bigger dude and you're looking for a t-shirt, you got black, d- double white, X. You got? I think they're both black. Okay. So um, if you're a bigger dude and you want a black punctilie die shirt, uh, the two X will fit you. Let me know and uh, yeah, we'll yeah we'll, maybe we'll do some try to do some different merch this year too. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we shall see. I got to I, I got to see where the loud pizza folks are if our t-shirt press is even st- still going because I think there would be some talk of them not doing that anymore, so. Okay. Yeah. Well, whatever they want to do and yep. you know, obviously we have other options too. So For sure. Uh we we do have an event, you know, we're going to do it we're going to have at least a, a public event or two this year and uh, tentatively you know, keep your schedules cleared if you're in the Midwest for the Joy Ramon birthday weekend again. That'll be that's in May, right? Middle of May. Yeah, there's there's plans for that. I don't want to. Nothing is set in stone, so I don't want to. I don't want to speak out of speak out of place. But that's 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 going to be something. Uh, that will be at Logansport, Indiana, and it will be free, right? Yes, like it, it looks time. like. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm I'm uh, it looks like. I'm gonna be in Chicago in March, so we'll see. Like I said, oh, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that. We'll talk yep. about that more as it as it yep. gets closer because there's Definitely. a lot going on that weekend actually. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll catch up a little bit on our lives here probably in the next couple episodes. Yep. Once again, still got some guests we're kind of kind of working on. So. Yep. And For we sure. got at least. Yeah, so anyway, all right, we're going to let you go, and I'm going to go take a shower that I've been putting off. I'm going to eat. So, yeah, everybody, stay free. Keep a little mark in your heart. We'll smell you later. Smell you later, everybody. Bye-bye. Okay, that brings us to the end of another show. Hope you enjoyed it. Remember, keep a little mark in your heart, and we'll be back the same mark time, same mark channel. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. Ah, <laughs> Ever get the feeling you've been cheated? Good night. What a fucking rotter. What a load of old shit. Thank you, fuck you, bye, boom. Okay.